0: Consummate Athlete seeks health, community, and adventure through movement.
1: And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life.
0: Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real life consummate athletes.
1: We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Peter, how's it going?
0: We are doing well. It's uh, great summer weather here, and yeah, we've been out hiking. We've done some—I wouldn't say bouldering, but we were we're hiking on vigorous trails and so forth. We've been in the bay. We've been, of course, riding bicycles of all different types. So, yeah, it's been going well.
1: Yeah, I have to say things are things are pretty solid. DW is becoming an excellent water dachshund. He he's been more of a consummate athlete than than I've been this That's week. That's true.
0: That's true. He plays fetch and. Goes and plays, I guess, more ball sports than I guess we're forced to participate. But I think it's his own game.
1: Yep he's he tackled some some body surfing on the waves in the bay the other day. Don't think he was impressed, but I was I was proud of him. Um, But yeah, it's it's actually been nice. It's one of those things uh, because you know we usually are traveling and racing during the summer. I don't think I've ever really taken advantage of the fact that we live directly like practically on the Georgian Bay. Um, so this this past week, I've kind of made it a point to try to get in the water more often. And yeah, I forgot how amazingly refreshing it is.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, I think everyone's hopefully being able to explore sort of in their own communities and sort of around different places, right? I don't know how many different sections of gravel road and trails that I've sort of found over the last mm-hmm. Week or two here where I just sort of, you know, trying to figure out where have I been and where do I always turn right and starting to turn left or, you know, exploring that road that says that it's closed and finding out that it's it's, you know, it open is in fact closed. closed, but passable, uh, depending on your definition of passable, I guess so.
1: Yeah, I think it's been kind of an interesting experiment, especially this past, I'd say, month as everyone's kind of, you know, sunk into this is what the world is right now. Um, I'd actually made a a joke that turned into a pretty serious pitch to an editor about um, they wanted uh, articles on exotic destinations. And I mean, that's a little eye-rolly right this second, given the fact that none of us are traveling to any exotic destinations. But I made the argument that your backyard can actually be like a pretty solid destination if you can kind of just take like a bit, a bit of like a like beginner approach to it almost.
0: Yeah. Maybe a different sport or, or a different uh, way of, of doing things right. Or, or incorporating a different person or again, turning left rather than turning right sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's different groups now it seems like that are doing different, you know, variations of the, the virtual thing, our own sort of mountain bike club here locally. Cork is doing, Uh, Rather than their Thursday night social rides, which used to be sort of like you'd ride for an hour and then there was sort of like some food and drink afterwards. um, They're doing a marked system of trails, marked loops, if you will. And then you're supposed to take a photo or something while you're riding. So it's spread over two days and you're sort of participating in that way. And then sponsors, including ourselves, are uh, offering out prizes sort of for the participation in that respect. So uh there's different things like that there's also what the different strava sort of challenges where people are i was gonna say here
1: again here in collingwood ontario we have peaks and trails and they've been putting out a um not a marked course but they send out like the strava route right um, and you have the whole week to complete it and upload it to strava and there's you know the winners and all that fun stuff i think there's a
0: lot of stuff like that happening right now where there's i know ted king was doing sort of like do-it-yourself gravel i think and he's actually riding the same distance, I think, of every race that was supposed to be on his calendar this year. So he's sort of encouraging people to play along with that. And then I saw just this morning Haley Smith and Andrew Lesperance, uh are doing in their local area in Uxbridge, Ontario, so just east of Toronto, are doing like a, a week-long, like for a couple of weeks in the summer they're doing like every week is like a loop that you do or something as well. So I think that's on Strava.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool how everyone is uh, everyone's adapting and sort of figuring out what's gonna make them excited about riding or running or whatever sport they're doing. Um, and that's that's actually a lot of what we we talked about in today's episode. I will add for uh, information on any of these things that we have just mentioned, as far as like cork and stuff, we're up to um, events. You can head to consummateathlete.com or at consummateathlete on Instagram. We have all that information um but today's today's guest is a sports psychologist uh, dr allison pope rodius and she and i talked a bunch about how you know we kind of have to adapt and figure out how we're, we're changing in this current environment and how we can kind of figure out staying motivated and happy and excited and you know figure out what life looks like without racing since now we're seeing you know trek world cup is canceled and more of the mountain bike world cups are getting canceled. I think Lenzerheide is the last uh, latest to uh, go.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it's uh, this, this current state is a great challenge in some ways that we can look at it as that, you know, life is always going to be challenging. There's always going to be ups and downs. And, and so what we're, right now we're trying to find purpose. We're trying to find, you know, what are we expecting to happen? Right. Um And trying to motivate ourselves to do different things. And I'm,
1: yeah. Like, and it's funny, you and I talked about this and, you know, Allison and I talk about practical, like mental things you can be working on. She has some really great journaling suggestions I really loved, but you and I were talking about this with regards to bike skills. Um, you know, most years when you're racing mountain bikes, it's pretty easy on a course to realize, Oh, I didn't get this any of the laps in the hardwood race. I could never do the gap or whatever. Um, so you, you think to get, bike skills coaching and you think to go sign up for a session to do like a pre-ride and now without racing it's it's easier to kind of forget about that stuff Um, but there's never been a better time to actually focus in on it
0: yeah I think you could probably insert any type of any aspect of of training performance um, you know even just personal what do we call this fulfillment or personal self-actualization right you could say you know your fitness is not adequate and then you go on race and it's still not adequate but you don't have time to train right you, you only have like you have to recover and then get ready for this next race and like you can't really try any sort of training right you can't do a good block of training a volume block an, an interval block there's never enough time so now that we have time the challenge is to actually like be motivated to try these things to address that limiter and we had a podcast and a couple posts on limiters and addressing your limiter and that could be mental nutritional uh, actual fitness it could be as you say bike skill stuff similar with bike skills right like no one will go and work on logs for a month because there's always races in the way and they don't want to hurt themselves and they're always worried about speed or their right. their, their quote unquote workout but then we forget that we could be, you know, actually going, as you say, maybe get coaching, but it could also be as simple as going and actually practicing log. Yeah, games.
1: absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. And a funny note of the, I had more time. Um, we were joking at this last week and I, I realized there's that great twilight zone episode where, um, great, uh, the world ends and the, the guy is finally like left alone in like a library and he has all these books in front of him and he goes to like, pick one up or something and his glasses fall off and they break. And it's just the saddest line in the world. Where he's just like, "There was time. Uh, right now, there is time. Right. <laughs> um, we have that." And actually, uh, just just earlier this week, I put up a post that was, "You don't have more time." Because um, we've we've been joking. Dirt, you know, if you're looking at Kansas for next May, yeah. and you're in Ontario and you're thinking about doing long gravel rides, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to them like later." I, you know, at some point, I'll do them. Well, I did the math. And if you can only ride once a weekend or, you know, once every other weekend, you can get out to gravel because you like live in a city or you have family commitments every other weekend, you really only have six more gravel rides before next May.
0: Yeah, it's one of those tricky things. We, we did have some good exchanges with people uh, around sort of these last couple episodes we've done and the posts around sort of goals and all this this other stuff. And that was sort of the refrain was like, oh, I have so much time till dirty cans next year. Or for me, I'm thinking like next year's nationals and it's it's like a year now to nationals. Right. But if you take away all the time in Canada that I can't actually do the sport and, I, and I'm not exposed to heat. Right. Like I, I don't have very, I have like two months. Yeah, exactly. Because right? it's very quickly you end up like it's all the winter, all the spring. Right, and then hopefully racing starting in, in the, the spring, early summer, right? And it's like all of a sudden you're into racing, and you can't work on things again. So, right now, it's like the challenge is if you are doing Dirty Kansas, you actually have really hot weather, the gravel has all dried out on the roads, you can go explore, you can use your gear, you can practice fueling. Um, you know, you probably have a bit of time to do it with summer vacation, right? Whereas, Dirty Kansas, as an example, would be like in what is it, late May, early June. So or it's still
1: cold here. Like yeah. there's still frost on the ground.
0: Of, a lot of places, right? The conditions aren't as good. Again, maybe you have like early races that are like taking time away because you have to like taper down and recover. So it's it's tricky. There's not like to do the actual thing and make it we always talk about like the make your everyday stance more like your battle stance, you know, race day more like normal day. In that like a big gravel ride isn't intimidating anymore. You can go and just like normally adapt to a three hour gravel ride, right? It's just not a big deal. It's a normal thing. Um, and that's a challenge for a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think wrapping to sports psych then again, all these concepts, like how do we get good at, you know, dealing with positive self-talk or, or any of these aspects you know well you have to get out there and put yourself in a situation where you're like I suck and I hate myself and it's really hot and I'm going to quit and then you have to positively you know refocus yeah come out of keep that. motivating
1: yeah and we were going to talk a bunch about that uh so yeah let's let's get into it enjoy this interview with Alison Pope Rodius so thank you so much for for taking the time to chat. I'm glad we finally got to do this. It's I know, it's I been know. like a while. Thanks wild... for your patience. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it sounds like you've been in like a pretty intensive transition in the last uh, you know few months. So why don't why don't we actually start with you kind of introducing yourself and and tell us a little bit about where you are right now, and then we'll kind of get into your background.
2: Okay, yeah, right now um I am at Holy Names University in Oakland and it is a brand new program that I've been asked to start. So I'm the director of sport and performance psychology and we have a new master's program that's starting in August called Applied Sport and Performance Psychology. And for me it was very important to have the word applied in there because it shows that we're training people to be practitioners the Mm -hmm. focus is on evidence-based and theoretically driven but at the same time they're going to do a lot of applied work and training them to be out there in the field to do the work and um, I did a similar program at JFK University and I was there for 19 years Um, but this now holy names gives me the opportunity to diversify and do more than sport performance it's going to include um also aspects of how to work with musicians and other performing artists and how to work with people in the military that uh, a lot of our uh, students will go on and do so it's a pretty amazing opportunity to be able to start a program right from scratch so i'm in the middle of developing that whole curriculum with a, a little team that I have, so it, it's been pretty intense.
1: I can imagine. That's super exciting, and it's it's really cool to hear that more and more programs are actually coming about for that more applied side of things. Um, I mean, yeah. do you think part of that's because like sport is on the rise in the U.S.? or?
2: Yeah, I, I, I do, because you know, what's happened is, you know, the field's been going for quite a while, and Really, it got going on the applied side in the 80s when the U.S. uh, had somebody from the Olympic Committee work with Olympians. And um, then, you know, college courses didn't really exist during that time. And then it was really in the 90s when curriculum came around and graduate programs started to pop up. And the focus was at first typically sport, and then exercise got added, so exercise psychology is a big area as well, and health psychology. And then more recently, performance psychology has really taken off. And I think what's happened in the last few years is because of social media, more and more athletes are have the opportunity to talk about the struggles that they're having mm-hmm. or the ways in which they want to be more excellent, if you like, you mm-hmm. know, a wonderful better way of describing it. So if they, uh, you know, if they realize that you know, the mental side of their sport is something that they need to focus on, then they're coming to the sports psychologists. They're going to the mental training coaches. They're going to the mental performance consultants. And it's those People that are talking about it more in social media, they're getting other people interested and then you've got those people who say, okay, I want to do that as my career. How do I get into sports psychology and performance psychology? How do I do the work? And that's where we come in. You know, We help train those people to go into the field and and work with performance.
1: That's awesome yeah and i mean i feel like right now more than ever we we kind of need that the sports psychologist background because you know right now what a lot of people are dealing with is we've had this kind of like format before right like you sign up for a race you're motivated to mm-hmm. train to do the race you do the race like okay that's that's the formula for athletic success um and you know in this in this current time in these past couple of months suddenly all everyone's races are are canceled for the season Um, so suddenly a lot of athletes are kind of having to go back to the, the drawing board. So, you know, one of the big things originally I'd had all of these other questions around, you know, regular sports psychology, but now I feel like we're in this whole new field of what, what do you do when you can't race? So have you had to kind of deal with that with any athletes yet? And how are you, how are you handling it?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the way that people have shifted because, they're not able to get out and train in the same way or if they if they're lucky enough to be able to get out on a bike or go for a run you know maybe they can't go to the same places and train in the same way with the same intensity or maybe they can't be with their teammates and i think that has a a huge impact on the way that people are able to feel good about themselves and and feel like they're being productive I think what people um, can do is realize that they're not a- alone in this situation. One, in the sense of um, it's not just happening to them. So their opposition, their opponents, their competitors are also experiencing the same thing. So I think it's really important for athletes to realize that you're not you're not behind because everybody else is in the same situation. So you know, unless you have a tennis court in your backyard garden and you know mm-hmm. not <laughs> everybody does that. maybe if you're you know one of the top players but not everybody has that so unless you have amazing facilities at home you're not going to be able to do what you typically do and also your competitors are in the same boat as you so don't feel you're behind what can you do in or in this time to be productive and i think this is where the coaches are the most Helpful Mm -hmm. um, in in setting the expectations in setting helping to set the goals with the athletes. What can we actually achieve right now? What are some of the things that we wished we had time to do and we didn't? I think that's a really important thing that people are overlooking. Instead of thinking, "Man, I can't do the things that I typically do." Okay, sure, you can't. And and how do you make the most out of what you can do? in addition what are the things that you don't typically have time to do but you you really think that might help give you the edge mm-hmm. but, and, and usually what it is is the mental training
1: yeah yeah
2: absolutely so people you know people typically will say i don't have time to do the mental training i don't have 10 or 15 minutes to sit and go through a mindfulness exercise i'm too busy with all these other pieces in my life when and really now is the opportunity to make the most of time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so when you talk about mental training, what are sort of some of your favorite mental training things for, for the people who are very, not anti-mental training, but just kind of, yeah, the the ones who don't make time for it or don't have time for it? Where where do you start the big them? Ones,
2: <laughs> yeah, the big ones for me, and, and especially for people starting out, is learning how to breathe properly, which sounds obvious, or you know, We all know how to breathe, our body does it automatically, but can you do it in a very purposeful way that enables you to get a a good, deep breath that is consistent and helps truly calm you down when you need it? Mm -hmm. So that's a a skill, and and it's one of the most straightforward, easy things to do that we often forget to do in in a skillful, purposeful way. So I think that's very important. I think having a mindfulness practice uh, several times a week is also very helpful and important, and is a skill, and it's something that you get better at the more you do it. Initially, it can be hard and it's challenging, and nobody has a perfect meditation session. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks nobody thinks of nothing. It's it just that's not how we're you know our minds don't work like that but can you be fully present for five seconds? Can you be fully present for 10 seconds? And can you build on that? These are the kinds of goals that you can work on, which can be number based if you, you know, to help you have really specific measurable goals. Um, Mindfulness practice is key. Going through imagery and visualizations um, because that's the kind of mental training that you can do Even when you're not competing or even when you're not training as much as you would like. Mm
1: -hmm. What are the
2: different scenarios that you can imagine? What are the different skills that you can imagine? Maybe there are some specific, super specific um, skill-based drills that you can do and you don't need a lot of uh, fancy equipment and you don't need a lot of space. So you can do those physically and maybe you can also do them mentally too and just over and over again going to be incredible the number of reps that you can do mentally
1: Mm -hmm. yeah the the number of times that I've crossed a finish line in my mind during intervals in these last few months uh... (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah and and the key is I think you know not leaving those things to chance so being very purposeful and objective and creating tangible goals and doing it in, in a very conscious way helps you feel more in control of what's happening because a lot of the stuff that's happening right now it feels out of our control and and a lot of it is so what can you gain back control on and you know it's about you can control a little bit more about the way you think and feel and your actions um how can you help other people that can also help you feel good about yourself you're giving back to the community it can help feel um, a sense of gratitude and and being grateful for what what you have in addition to um you know oh i wish i was out there training and and racing well yeah but remember that your competitors are also thinking the same things too so they're not getting anything ahead of you
1: hey peter What does a registered kinesiologist and endurance
0: coach do? Well, Molly, let me tell you, I work with busy people that want to do big, crazy adventures. You know, these are people who have kids, they have families, they have all sorts of work stuff they got to do, but they have big goals. They maybe want to do a big mountain bike race, 100 miler, something like Dirty Kanza. They might just want to keep up on the group ride and all these things are really, really cool adventures and really good breaks from all the other stuff we have going on in our, in our busy lives. Right. So I help people do that. And so I really like programming and finding ways that we can fit movement into their lives. Sometimes that involves, you know, consultation around movement or trying to work through some sort of injury. Uh, And sometimes it's just dealing with, you know, fitting stuff in and getting the work done. So that's what I do. I, I coach and I build training plans and, you know, that's that's what a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach does in my case.
1: And how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in, in well, chatting with you? You're on
0: the Consummate Athlete Podcast. you go to consummateathlete.com, you can find coaching links on that website.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Peter. And I'm glad you said the control thing. And I think a lot of people kind of start falling into pretty like negative control patterns in these cases where they're trying to kind of control... Things that either they just can't control or that aren't really going to be super helpful. Um, you know, I know it's not your area of expertise, but the, the whole starting to control, you know, your calories or counting those obsessively right. because that's that's within your sphere of control or things like that. Instead of kind of, yeah, the the minutes of meditation or, you know, taking the time to do a gratitude practice or, yeah, doing the, the mental practices instead like those are controllable in a positive way not yeah in, <laughs> not yeah. In a yeah. yeah absolutely way. <laughs> i mean
2: control can be taken um to an extreme and you know that's often what perfectionists do as well you know perfectionists try to control as much as possible because then they feel like they can they have something that they can focus on and and it can be very uh undermining to some extent so elements of um striving for excellence and striving for being amazing and being brilliant is different to expecting and wanting perfection every single time you know and that, that's a big debate in the field is is there any kind of perfectionism that is adaptive or helpful yeah. uh, some psychologists will say no and some people in the field will say yeah, there are elements of especially at high level performances, if you strive for perfection, there are elements of that. but if it I think it can only be helpful when there's a sense of increased um, self-efficacy or self-confidence so that people feel don't feel undermined when they don't reach perfection. They're still the kind of person who has that way of thinking that can say okay well I didn't get perfection today but I got a lot closer and tomorrow I'm going to try even harder and, and focusing on your own goals as opposed to comparing yourself to somebody else all the time that's what we're talking about in terms of control you can still strive to work uh, not you know work harder and also achieve certain things on a regular basis and and that is also uh, very helpful in terms of you know you've heard of gross mindset Mm -hmm. so that aspect is uh, being able to focus on what do you need to do in order to be better as opposed to always relying on information from other people or um, competing against other people I mean it's healthy to compete against other people and to look at what other people are doing but the best Of the best, also know what they have to do to be better.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that kind of brings the the word focus kind of brought this up for me. Like thinking about this is a great time right now to be thinking about like the process focused mindset versus the the results focused one. Um, Yeah, because we can't focus on results anymore. Like that that's been taken off the off the board.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this is you know. And and as frustrating as it is, and I think one of the things to also do is to not deny that it's frustrating. It's healthy to feel frustrated, it's healthy to feel sad. It, it, it's totally normal to feel all these emotions. So we're not saying just ignore your emotions about how you're feeling and just think positively. We know that doesn't work. You know you can't just suddenly think a certain way. But what are the things that can you can help in order to feel a little bit lighter about your day and a little bit more in control? You are not going to completely feel in control. So, what can you do to help you have a good, healthy, positive mindset that helps you move forward and closer to being, um, you know, that person that 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 you want to be, that athlete that you want to be? once you're able to go back into full training
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: the key about getting back into full training is we're all going to need to watch and again this is where coaches come in we're going to need to watch that people don't overtrain.
1: yes absolutely the second a race comes back on the calendar it doesn't just go into yeah. okay it's full full gas <laughs> just yeah yeah tomorrow. everybody's <laughs> going to be so Well, a
2: lot of people are going to be so excited to get back and then they're going to overdo it and then they're going to get, some of them are going to get injured. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So
2: again, I think coaches are key to helping people just set the scene, create the environment um, and help people feel supported. We know that social support is really important to help people feel resilient. Yeah. Um, So that's really good.
1: Yeah, and I mean, on the note of social support, I think right now a lot of people are really struggling because they 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 rely on running with friends or riding with their mm-hmm. club or any of those things. So you know, forget races being canceled, group rides are being canceled, club runs are canceled, yeah. um, and I think for a lot of people, that's a huge motivator for them. Um, so yeah. yeah, what would you say for the people who are the I'm probably not in this category as more of an introvert I'm like yes I get to train alone and I have an excuse to train alone (laughs) Um, but I know a lot of people are having a really tough time with that
2: yeah I think you know what what can you do during your day that if you are one of those people who really needs that social injection if you like
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um, what do you need in order to get your social uh, piece for you know your personality and if it's if it's talking to a friend on WhatsApp or it's doing a zoom or whatever it is, you know, it, um, is that enough for you? Does that give you enough of a, you know, social peace that you feel like, okay, I'm, um, I'm okay. I'm not alone in this. I feel supported. I feel heard. I'm also giving back to my friends and family, um, do I need to do that one time a day, uh, five times a day, or, you know, for the more introverted among you, you know, once a week might be enough or (laughs) even less. Um, And obviously, you know, if you are, say, a cyclist, the beauty of something like the Peloton, not to give them any uh, I have no shares in Peloton or uh I don't even have a bike, but you <laughs> know, being able to do those with a group of friends. Maybe you can be on a bike and you can do some kind of social interaction in that way. Maybe when you're on a run, um obviously you're not gonna be able to uh talk as much, but you know, maybe there's a way that you can um, check in with a friend ahead of time and say, okay, I'm going on this run. I'm going to send you a photo. I'll send you the link. You know, you'll see it on Strava. Um, I'll take a photo and and I'll make sure I put in my, give you my time because I think a way to help with that social element is maybe um, keeping yourself accountable
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you have, you can still have a uh, workout, Friends and and people that you train with, you're just not physically next to each other, but you can keep checking in with each other and keeping each other accountable. And maybe that that is another way to just keep that part alive.
1: Yeah, um, and I mean accountability is one of those sort of uh, fitness wellness world buzzwords. Um, so as a as someone who's in this practice and knows all of the research, there is. Like background, there is a reason that accountability works. Like that's not just the thing that us like wellness journalists have been parroting for years now. (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) Yeah,
2: accountability. You know, um, it it works uh, on different levels, but also you've got at the very, at the very least, you have a social connection with somebody, and we know for sure that social support is hugely important to mental well-being and like I said with being resilient there's a lot of research out there on now on resilience and social support is really important and the environment that is set up to enable people to be resilient because you're not necessarily born resilient you learn how to be resilient and if you're not in the right environment you're not necessarily going to be able to be as resilient as you know your potential might uh, lead you to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of resiliency, the the one other big topic is some is one that I think actually can happen anytime. So it's not really specific to this coronavirus crisis. Um it's the feeling of I'm never going to hit, you know, XYZ PR again, whether it's a marathon time or, you know, a power threshold in cycling or any of those things. And I think right now it's more noticeable because we really only have those sort of like personal PRs to go on. We, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're not racing. We're not, you know, competing against our fellow age groupers or whatever. So now we only have our past selves to compete with. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are, are struggling with that. So how do you, how do you kind of push, get over the hurdle of feeling like, oh, I'm never going to be the athlete I was when I was 29 again.
2: Mm. Well, um, the first thing I would do is if, you know, if you were my client, I would do some work around the word never. Ooh. Because if you, so um, do you really mean never? Because it's very extreme. You know, it's like, it's like never and always are words that we pay attention to in psychology because, It's a very extreme way of thinking, and and if you say never, that means it is completely out of the realm of possibility that you will ever be able to do that again. Is that really what you're saying, or are you saying it's going to be harder to get back to that situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to be harder because you haven't been training. Is it totally outside the realm of possibility? And I would say don't make that decision on your own, Uh, talk to to your coach, uh, you know almost everybody has a coach talk to your teammates and chances are it's not out of the realm of possibility and then so then you realize okay it is possible but it's going to be a bit harder yeah and you're in the same boat as everybody else it's harder for them too so how do you get back to there as quickly as possible without re-injuring without injuring yourself and without feeling um, like you're going to be overtraining when you get back I mean you still have to be um a lot of athletes don't probably don't like the word sensible because you know a lot of others are not that sensible in the way that we train but um you still have to be realistic about what what can the human body do and what can I do on a daily basis but i would really question the the way that people phrase things so that what is it that you want to achieve and um can you you know if you're in your 40s are you going to be at the same speed and strength that, that you were I- earlier in your life? Strength, maybe, speed maybe not. I mean, what is also realistic? And then go for the things that you really want to go for. There's no reason why you still can't be um, good or even stronger when you go back after the lockdown is over. Mm-hmm. Mentally, you can, you, Mentally, you can be so much stronger. And there there are certain things that you can still work on. And a lot of your fitness goals will come back.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're right. A lot of people are so quick to go to, I'm never going to do this. And if they actually break it down, I mean, either they realize, like you say, oh, this is possible. It's just more work than I thought it was. Or they realize that, like. That's not even necessarily a place that they want to be. Um, my husband, who is a mm-hmm. coach, and I were talking about this, and you know, we're, we were both kind of looking back on on either of ours, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to go back to where I was when I was at my like maximum power because I was miserable and overtrained <laughs> and like unhappy." And it's if we all think about it, like sometimes we don't mm-hmm. even really want to go back to that. Maybe it's I want to you know figure out what my new maximum power is while maintaining these other Mm -hmm. factors in my life
2: (laughs) yeah and you know we often talk about remember your why Mm -hmm. why are you doing this in the first place what's the pleasure that you get from it where's the joy in your sport where's the joy in your training where's the joy in your competing remind yourself of all those things and so that you go back with a, a a refreshed mindset so i'm a big believer in using a reflective journal as well you know focusing on each day okay what went well to today. And, and maybe, you know, some people use the principle of trying to come up with three things they did well. And one thing that they could do better because, you know, we have a negativity bias and we tend to focus on the things that we don't do well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What went
2: well, what could have been better? What did we learn and how can you use that information to uh, change your goals for the next time or just keep adapting?
1: Yeah, I love that. As someone who loves the idea of journals and struggles so hard to keep up with them, um, anytime someone tells me to journal, I'm like, yes, I can go buy a new journal now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, if you're not used to journaling, having a structure really helps in the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh,
2: having having those things at the front of the journal um, just helps give you something to latch on in terms of, okay, what am I meant to be doing with my journal today? Um, so if you like journaling, that's great. But also try to keep the try to keep some elements of um, balance to some extent in terms of, you know, if you do focus on your weaknesses and challenges and that's all you talk about all I mean by balances and, and, and balance to me is not a 50-50 situation you know balance can be 90-10 ultimately you just have to make sure that you, you get to 100 somehow so
3: mm-hmm. if
2: you do focus on the things that are not going well how can you just add in a few more elements to force yourself to say well what did you do well today and maybe it just maybe it wasn't that great but you got out of bed, you went training, or you went for a run, or you went for a walk, or you did something for somebody else, you know, small things can seem more uh, interesting and rewarding than they ever did before during this time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, And I think, you know, this kind of ties into this idea of dealing with... The athlete identity with no racing is sort of you have to start figuring out what the little wins can be and like what the what the small incremental gains and, you know, what things like we said you can control are and I think this is where you're going to have some people who are going to struggle right now and kind of drop off the radar. If they're not racing, I think a lot of people struggle to feel like athletes and feel like they should be keeping that journal or should be, you know, recording those runs or should bother with imagery or any of that if if they don't have a race on the calendar for the year, it can be pretty quick to just throw throw the baby out with the bathwater to, mm-hmm. to use the, the cliche. Um, so how would you how would you help someone who's, you know, hearing this and is like, yeah, but I'm not an athlete or, you know, like if they just don't have a race on the calendar, it's just hard to remember that they can still be an athlete.
2: Well, I, I personally consider anybody who moves and, uh, you know, some kind of athlete, you know. An athlete isn't a pro or an elite person. An athlete, to me, is somebody who moves. Um, Sometimes there's competition involved and sometimes there isn't. And uh, the one thing I'm picking up from your question is, um, and again, I'm going to touch on a word that you used, is the word should. And I think we should on ourselves a lot. Yes. I I should be... I should be doing this, I should be doing that. Like, who says? I mean, who's giving you that judgment? Um, Are you judging yourself? Are you being unnecessarily hard? Are Are you really focused on specific training goals? Or are you just saying, I should be doing this because somebody else is doing it? Well, maybe that's not the right thing for you. Maybe that's not a personalized approach.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. I, I think that's, that's something that every endurance athlete I know struggles with. Um, you know, yeah. I have a crew of runners around here and there's not a day where I don't see them posting their runs, whether, you know, they start early because they have kids and they have all these things to get done. There's not a day where I see them commit in at se- you know seven thirty in the morning and they've already booked like 15 kilometers or whatever. And now I'm like, Oh, I need to get out and do like, why didn't I get out at 6am and do that? And why? why (laughs) I I should be doing that. And it's so stressful, even though I realize I'm also like, I I planned to run that afternoon, but (laughs) as soon as I see that, I'm like, Oh, should have gotten up earlier.
2: Yeah. So that's the difference between healthy competition and focusing on the competition that has just created more stress for you.
1: Mm -hmm. If you
2: already planned, if you plan to go out that afternoon, you go that afternoon and maybe it's a bit more compassionate towards yourself and to others and also say, good for you. You've done your run. You've done what you needed to do. Okay, okay. I'm going to do it this afternoon. It's just simple little changes in the way that we use words has a huge impact on the way that we think and feel.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, it's it's interesting. One thing I'm also hearing from a fair number of friends who are, you know, working from home or, you know, have, have a spouse at home that can watch the kids, that kind of thing. I know a lot of people right now are actually feeling guilt that they're able to train when, you know, as we've been talking about, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who can't get out and train, you know, whether they're working in their, you know, frontline or essential services or are in a lockdown position where they're not allowed to go out. Um, yeah. So how, how do we cope with feeling bad that we're training? Like, what an odd thing to suddenly have to deal with.
2: I know. I think the you know, I think the compassion piece is is really helpful towards others, and and that's a beautiful thing about being human is that we can, you know, if there's any way that we can help those people who can't train, let's do that and give them some social support. And you know, we're not rubbing their noses in it, and we're not uh, we're not saying, look at me, I'm training and you're not. We're saying, look, I recognise you can't train right now. What else can I do to help you and, you know, chat about something, uh, you know, maybe you can send them a gift or whatever it is. I think there's compassion um, for others. And then there's also compassion for yourself. And you don't have to be embarrassed or shamed about doing something that's important to you and also healthy. There's Mm -hmm. no judgment around doing something that's healthy. You shouldn't be Um, you shouldn't be sad or guilty about that. You're doing what you need to do and you're making yourself a priority. And I think that's really important. You're being kind to yourself. So I think, you know, just focus on that and and reminding yourself, well, you know what? I am grateful I have this opportunity and then go and make the most of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I like, you've said it a couple of times now, the idea of like giving back and helping when you can and, you know, sort of being there for for your community, I think as, especially in endurance athletes, where we have a very individual sport, it's very easy for us to get super tunnel vision. And I think right now is probably a mm-hmm. really great time to kind of turn that lens around and actually be able to focus on that, that giving back side of things.
2: Yeah. Cause you know, human beings, We need to feel the social connection coming our way, and we also feel something good when we give it out, too. And if if there was ever a time to give out, you know, people give in different ways. So some people give money, some people give time, some people reach out by writing a letter to somebody, Um, some people will call you, some people will send you a gift, or you know, um, some people will do amazing things with their jobs and and they would argue that they're not doing anything special, they're doing their jobs, but we all think that they're incredibly special. So I think there's lots of different ways in which we can give back and it it gives you such a sense of, it's more than satisfaction, it's more um, uh, a sense of peace, I guess, is what you can get to um and also you know if you can get to the point of being grateful for what you have and being sh- able to share the bounty in a way is um really a great way to live your life and and if not now then when mm
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and i think that actually all of that helps you kind of deal with the the uncertainty that's happening right now and i think it it helps give that sort of meaning back and you know, maybe even mm-hmm. help you sort of stay, stay motivated and stay sort of focused and not like you just want to hide under the bed for the next uh, <laughs> three to six months, um,
2: <laughs> however long <laughs> it's going to be. <laughs> and, and, you know, and and some days you're not going to feel like training and, and that's okay too. You'd be kind to yourself because it's, it's, it's this is an extraordinary time. We don't want you to get into the state of I need to stay in bed for the next three months or six months or whatever it is, you know, that's obviously not healthy, but it's also okay to walk instead of run. If you really just don't feel like it for that day, there's a difference between being lazy and being kind to yourself. And, you know, the vast majority of people who love to train, they, they know how to push it and they'll go and do that anyway. So, Sometimes we have to take stock of where we're at and not be hard on ourselves because that's just extra pressure that you put on yourself. Work hard, play hard, and also put things in perspective. And I think that can really be helped by reaching out to other people. Uh, I think this is a good opportunity to do that. And so... You know, if you know people who are lonely or you know people who don't have a lot of social support, there's different ways in which you can try and reach out to them. And it might be maybe you can't go and knock on their door, but maybe like I said, maybe you can send something or maybe you could just write them a note or just the little things can have a big
1: impact. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, And I like you mentioned uh, that feeling like feelings of pressure and stress and stuff that people are dealing with now. And I think we tend to kind of compartmentalize where we're feeling any pressure and stress. So right now, you know, a lot of us are feeling, you know, work stress as we try to figure out what we're doing with remote work and everything. But then everyone is feeling a whole lot more life stress than normal um so even though our athletic stress is maybe lower because we're not training as much um our total stress right now i think is uh is quite high and the body does Mm -hmm. not really know which is which
2: Mm -hmm. that's why it's important to be kind to yourself because you this you know it's just an unusual time and you don't you're already typically almost everybody's stress levels are going to be slightly elevated with what's happening yeah, because it's, it's so new and not everybody, you know, but generally we're slightly elevated. And so by adding in small stresses that typically would be fine for us to deal with on a daily basis, those might make a big, bigger difference because we're already at an elevated level. So if we're already, if we typically are at uh, level five, and we can go through our day and we have some extra stresses, we go to six, seven, eight. That's fine. But in this pandemic, if we start, if our baseline is, you add a few more stresses, you're getting up, you're getting up there. So I think finding ways to uh, and everybody's different so you have to find what works for you that doesn't necessarily and you know involve taking uh you know medication or drinking yourself into a stupor or you know what it is whatever it is what are healthy ways that you can um you can also reset yourself each day Uh, and it's Easier said than done, of course, and, you know, we're not saying you have to be perfect in doing that either. So, again, it comes back to what's realistic, what is possible right now for you, and also how can you be kind to yourself, um, because that is a great, it's almost like a skill in itself, like yeah. being being able to focus on yourself in a way that doesn't feel selfish it just puts you you at the highest priority.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, what people are going to be able to take away from this time is kind of figuring out what the better balance points actually are. Like, I think we're we're all mm-hmm. kind of forced to learn a lot about ourselves and our motivations and how we operate right now. Because
2: yeah, uh,
1: that's, yeah, that's what we and, have to um,
2: do. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a big believer in thinking. Um, uh, I actually, I actually said this on um, uh, an interview yesterday. If if it everything opened up tomorrow, what are one or two things that you wish you had done? Yeah. Because I can bet, I can bet you that when people ha- are ready to, you know, once we have permission and all bets are off, we're all out. I bet you there's some people who go, man, I wish I had time to do this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I didn't. So if you imagine that you, everything is going to open up in the next couple of days, what do you really wish you had been able to do? Because now you have the chance to do those things. Mm -hmm. You do have a bit more time, typically. I mean, some people are busier during this time but a lot of people have a little bit more time than they had before so is there anything um and and it could be around your sport it could be around your training it it could be mental training or it could be something that you were always wanted to do but it isn't linked to your sport whatever it is don't Mm -hmm. have regrets at the end of this i wish i'd reached out to a few more people while i had the chance go ahead yeah do it this weekend
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, Awesome. And so I want to, I want to switch gears before, before we wrap up, because before we started recording this, you, you kind of mentioned a lot of different cool places and, and, you know, different ways that you've worked within the, the sports psych realm. So I have to ask, like, what's the most interesting place and time that you've, you've worked in which sport?
2: Um I've done the mo I've worked in a lot of different sports and I tend to I tend to specialise in individual sports. Um so I've worked with super high level track and field athletes, I've worked with golfers, um and I I, I tend to gravitate towards those and for some reason um I also specialise in archery and probably the coolest place I've ever worked was at the Olympics. And I I was never good enough as an athlete myself to ever be anywhere close to being an Olympian. But um, working there was just incredible. Uh, It's one of the hardest things I ever did and one of the most amazing things that I ever did. And the sport of archery has taken me all over the world. Um, So I've worked in... India and Thailand and Italy, Turkey, Greece. Um, and I've more recently in the last couple of years been doing a little bit of work with archers and coaches from all of the Americas in Colombia. And so that it's just been incredibly rewarding to be able to travel and, and work with different cultures. And sport is one of those yeah. It's one of those amazing things that you know that we do that doesn't actually always involve language so my Spanish is not that great but it didn't really matter when we were down there you know we had an interpreter but also being able to watch sport it goes it it covers the cultures it covers the, it goes across the languages so you know that's the beauty of what we do and that's the beauty of the sport and and performances that we we watch you don't have to be able to speak the same language to be able to appreciate all those pieces so
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's, it's it's pretty cool um where where you can do the
1: work yeah yeah that's awesome and I, I feel like there's going to be some people listening to that that are like and what was that master's program she's running now because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah so good if me. anybody's
2: interested mm-hmm. yeah we're just Yeah, we're just starting up the master's program. Um, It's going to be on campus in Oakland, and also we'll have online opportunities as well. So we start in August.
1: Oh, that's so cool. So where can people find that information? And we'll put that in the show notes, too.
2: Um, I will give you the information for the website. So if you go to Holy Name's website, hnu.edu, and uh, I can also give you my email address from there, too. So that would be great. So people can send me a message and um, people can follow me on social media. I'm at WeChats, which are small chats. That's W-E-E-C-H-A-T-S.
1: I <laughs> T-H-A-T-S. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about this. And I I realize, you know, this this line of questioning is completely different than when we first started talking back in October. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, hopefully we'll have you back on again at some point talking much more about like race day jitters and all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete podcast. While you still have your podcast app open, do us a huge favor, head over to iTunes or whatever app you're listening in and rate and review the podcast. It's super helpful. It you know gets us more guests on the show. It gets me a dog. Um, and it's just you know a good way to give back if we've provided any kind of value to you throughout all of the episodes you've listened to.
0: If you're looking for the show notes, you can find those at www.consummateathlete.com. We have lots of Other content over there and any information about coaching or events can also be found at that same website.
1: And you can find us on the social medias at Molly J. Herford and at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.
3: Wow. What an episode. That was amazing. When that one person said that thing and then the other person Totally like set them straight. Oh man, that was great! I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, cyclocross friends, new friends, and old friends, and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host a, another show on the Wide Angle Podium podcast network. It's called Cyclocross Radio and we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy, Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to WideAnglePodium.com become a member there. Then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it! Do it now, Cyclocross friends.